Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. You're listening to the business community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week, our topical discussion, we've done a little bit of preparation in advance. Um, The conversation this week is about mediation, workplace mediation, which increasingly um, is used to resolve workplace disputes between people. And last week, Tracy took the time to speak to Ros Butler of Transitions Partnership. And this is what she had to say about workplace mediation. So I'd like to welcome Ros Butler of Transitions Partnership into the studio today. And she's here to talk about mediation. Now, I was going to call it internal mediation. However, you're going to be a bit more specific about it. It's internal, but not internal. Tell me what you mean, Ros. Well, what I mean by that is that uh, my role is not as an internal mediator. Some organisations, some of the larger organisations, have trained their own internal staff to act as mediators, and I'll explain mediation in a moment. But um, I come in as an external person who is totally independent of the parties that are involved in the mediation. So it's about workplace mediation. It's not about divorce. Um, It's not about community disputes, although it could be about community disputes. But in my case, it's normally about workplace issues. So in what situation would a workplace consider mediation at at what point in the relationship with an employee would this turn up normally if you've got a big issue between an employee one employee and another or an employee and their manager sometimes between a group of employees and the organization um, the traditional route for dealing with them is to go down discipline and grieve or grievance procedures depending on what the issue was mediation is something completely different Um, With discipline and grievance, it's very much one side or the other side is right or wrong. And that can be quite divisive sometimes. People sort of become quite entrenched in their positions. The aim of mediation is to get the parties together to discuss the topic, the dispute, the issue between them, so that they ultimately understand each other's position a little bit more clearly and together they come to an agreement about how they're going to work going forward. So it's not about looking back at what's happened in the past, although that is inevitably covered, but its primary focus is about resolving the matters so they can work together effectively in the future. And is this um, specifically for large businesses or can small and medium-sized companies get involved in mediation? No, it, it can cover any organisation and it can cover large organisations, small organisations. I've even had a situation of mediation between three people. So, and they were the sort of founders of an, a small organisation and were having difficulty in sort of not pursuing each of their own individual Um, perspectives but really about trying to find their common ground and they wanted some help and facilitation in doing that but it can also be uh, it's it's used in very large organizations some of our police forces have mediation or use mediation it's been used in the public sector such as local authorities and hospitals it can be any organisation, any group. 
And so at what point would you get involved with an organisation? Do, do they tend to call you in when it's gone too far? Would you like them to call <laughs> you in a bit sooner? How would a company know to give you a call or, or to get somebody well, think, like you involved? I think the first thing is that they know that there's an option which is called mediation. And I have to say, although it's been um, part of government policy to encourage people to mediate and to resolve problems early for a long time, a lot of organisations just don't know what it is and what it's about. Um, but as to when people would call call one in, um, normally, as an independent mediator, it's probably got to the stage where people are quite concerned. It's having an impact on the workplace. People are finding it difficult to work together. It may be affecting the business. It may be affecting their customer service. It may be breaking up teams so that teams aren't working effectively. It can also be sometimes in periods of change when the organisation has to change, but there's huge resistance from the employees. Um, and mediation can be used, although there are other strategies that you can use to help that process. So they can be called in at any time. The fun there's some skills underpinning mediation which are really useful for most managers. And managers could do those. But the truth about mediation is it's, it works best when people feel the mediator is genuinely independent. Therefore, they feel that they're not going to be biased towards one party or the other. And that's usually not something that an internal person can do so effectively. By bringing in a mediator, what would be the benefits? Can it help you to reduce um, employment tribunal instances or um, stop it getting to a grievance? Or, or is there any yeah. sort of evidence that can prove that? I think there's a lot of that? evidence. I mean, first yeah. of all, the evidence is that mediation can be successful in approximately 80% of the situations in which it's used. Um, Secondly, mediation can have a big impact because, first of all, if the parties reach agreement, it's their agreement. It's not the mediator's agreement. It's their agreement. They are committed to it, and they have to take responsibility to make it work. So it's going to improve the working relationship and the productivity or the outcomes for the organisation. And also for them, it reduces stress, it reduces unhappiness. In some situations, it often means that people who would have just thrown in the towel, handed in their resignation and gone off and found another job, stay with that company because A, the company has provided a channel for sorting out their dif differences or their disputes. And secondly, very often it actually builds a much more positive relationship and they feel much more comfortable to stay with the organisation. So costs, time as well, it's much quicker than going through the process of several stages of discipline and grievance. Or alternatively, having one of these investigations before you get into a disciplinary situation. So it saves time, cost, stress, helps you keep your talent in the organisation. So can I take you back to the um, the three people that you um, you did some work with? Now, that really rings a bell because, you know, a lot of startup businesses, you might have a partnership, you might, you might have, you know, a couple of directors in a company. They may or may not have come up with an agreement before they started the business. And in a lot of cases, they don't come up with a partnership agreement, for example. But I can imagine the situation where people's um, vision changes and at that point it, it could really break 
an organisation if the founding partners, founding directors don't agree. So I can see how mediation could could move into that zone quite easily and be very, very valuable. Yes, I think you're right in saying they start off with one vision. And obviously, starting up a business can be very uh, challenging. It's very demanding. But as the business begins to develop, the business also develops its its idea, its strategy of where it's going. But maybe different parts of the business think that they can have different areas that they should be uh, diverting their energies into, maybe their resources into. And that's that's the point at which each individual becomes sort of very... Um, focused on their own idea and to some degree what they sometimes forget is about what's best for the business overall and so having an independent person who can give them the opportunity to explore that and get them to work about work out what is their um their common ground and what the business is is best for the business rather than perhaps what is their own particular um, core idea um, means that the business can be can be solved sometimes it might mean that they actually recognize that maybe one person has got different ideas new ideas which doesn't suit and then it's a question of working through so that how they can go maybe two of them can stay together and one goes their separate ways which is what actually happened in this particular situation i'm thinking of it it sounds like um the route that you would consider taking before bringing in the big guns you know, so I, I imagine in the situations where the directors have, have got so far apart from each other that they end up just consulting solicitors and it goes down absolutely. that route and nobody's a winner in that situation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it's the same in terms of um, issues that can end up in an employment tribunal. Um, years ago, I used to sit on the employment tribunals in Liverpool And very often, though it wasn't something that you could say publicly, you would sit there and your mind would be thinking, should never have got to this. This could have been sorted out so much better earlier on without the disruption and the um, loss of face and everything else. Um, And mediation can definitely help in that sort of situation. So, and these days, you know, employment tribunals cost a lot even if you win, it costs a lot. It's a big distraction from the business. Um, I've known a business that had a very seasonal pattern. And because of an employment tribunal, they lost a whole year of international development of their business because they missed the season because of their concern about the, this. It was a small company, but, but a growing company. And because of a dispute, they um, lost that season. So So it can be important for businesses. So I'm thinking that people might be listening to this and it's the first time they've considered that mediation might be something that they could use in their business. So are there any resources that you can point people towards to find out more about the mediation process? Well, I mean, there's a a, a easily accessible process and that is that if you look on the ACAS website, the ACAS website... Um, has a, a section on mediation. It even has a little video which shows how a mediation process can work. It's between two uh, two individuals who both have different styles of working and the role of the mediator is to get them to appreciate each other and to come to some common way forward 
in which they can work together. So the ACAS website has some excellent resources. Um, and beyond that, if people want to contact me, um, I can focus them on um, things such as some key steps in mediation or some circumstances in which mediation is appropriate or not appropriate. Thank you very much, Ross. That was really interesting. So if you're interested in mediation, go take a look at the ACAS website or seek out Ros Butler on LinkedIn. So she's Ros Butler from Transitions Partnership. Tracy, what news have you got for us? Just three little snippets that popped into my inbox this morning, once again, courtesy of Business Insider. They always send over something interesting. Mm. I like to keep Mm. an eye on it. So we've talked about Apple being one of the most valuable companies, and it is once again the most valuable company in the world. It's currently valued at $821 billion. Wow. And they, um, they've overtaken Microsoft. So when we were talking about it before, they were jostling for mm. position then. So um, they, Apple have overtaken Microsoft again. And it's as a result of better than expected earnings last week. Uh, these things can change. So uh, moment to moment, mm. probably in an hour's time, this news will be completely out of date and Microsoft will be back on the top. But anyway, for now, Apple is there. And then there's a new feature. Facebook Messenger are apparently rolling out a feature which allows you to delete messages for 10 minutes after they've already been sent. Does that matter? If they've been read, does that matter? Well, I, I sort of read that as, you know, if they hadn't been read because... Otherwise, what's the point? Mm. But then yeah, again, because you can tell whether they've been read, yeah. can't you? So it tells you. So I don't know, but they're going to roll that out. And apparently it was after uh, their CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, was caught deleting old messages. It doesn't really connect for me. It's okay. he was presumably deleting messages from more than 10 minutes after. Anyway, Who knows? Okay. So keep an eye out for it. This will be a, a new feature on Facebook um, that they're rolling out over the next few months. And I just wanted to mention an app that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this is Calm. It's seven years old now. It's a meditation app. And it's recently been valued at $1 billion. It's not quite up there with Apple yet, but for an app, that is Incredible. absolutely astounding. It has uh, 40 million downloads were, uh, worldwide with one new user joining every second. That's Crikey. absolutely stunning. And what is fantastic about that is that that means that there are four million people who want to calm themselves down. And that can only be a good thing. Yes. 40 million. Four, sorry, 40 million. Yeah, <laughs> that's, even, yeah. that's only oh a good gosh. thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> we now come to the reviews section of the show. And Ros Butler, who you've already heard from Transitions Partnership, um, very kindly gave us a review of the ACAS Wales conference that took place last month um, here in Wrexham. And she is in interview with Tracy, sharing her review of that event. Ros Butler of Transitions Partnership, who spoke earlier in the show about mediation, has also attended one of the events that we featured in the show a few weeks ago, and that's the ACAS conference, which took place in Wrexham, of all places. And it's the, was it the Welsh version of ACAS? Yes, it's the North Wales conference. And um, we're really interested to know what you thought about it, Ros. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how many of these 
events they've held in North Wales, I got a very strong feeling that they were hoping to improve their presence in North Wales, although there's a very well-established North Wales office uh, headed by David Jones, who I think is very well known to a lot of local companies. But in terms of conferences, I get the feeling that maybe they hadn't had too many in the past. And they'd certainly pulled in some big guns to speak at the conference. So which was the highlight for you, Ross? For me, the highlight. Um, the highlight of the conference actually was a side session. Um, and they had a speaker called Martin Smith um, from Nottingham Trent University. His reputation goes before him. I've heard <laughs> him mentioned in, in many um, workshops that I've been to on dealing with difficult people. Is yes, that his theme? really yeah. difficult. Um, the sort of people he was talking about is the sort of person that holds most managers, keeps them awake at night. Right. The, <laughs> you, the person you can't tell anything to because they know it all and you can't get them to change because they are right and you are wrong um, and to some degree these are people whose behavior is so extreme um, can really disrupt an organization can disrupt teams um, and a lot of managers are very frightened of dealing with that sort of person because they have these sort of nightmare visions that they're going to end up in an employment tribunal if they say the wrong thing, that they're going to be uh, challenged with bullying and harassing them, when all they're trying to do is to ask them to do their job in the way the organisation needs it to be done. So that was the highlight. Now, I don't want to put you in an awkward position, because um, that wouldn't be the done thing, but was there a, a low point or something that you preferred least of the event? Um, I don't think there's a low point. I don't think that would be fair. There was quite a diverse range of speakers. Everything from the chairman of ACAS, Brendan Barber, or Sir Brendan Barber, as I should say, who used to also be the um, general secretary of the TUC, he gave a very uh, opening address, which was a, a review of issues that are affecting workplace and uh, employee relations in the workplace. And that was a good scene setter. Um, and then we had a very lively um, speech, or not a speech, a presentation from David Jones of Colleague Cambria, uh, who's very well known in the area and involved in a lot of other CBI and uh, development uh, organisations. And he was talking about how uh, organisational development um, is a key feature of the role that HR can play in organisations and particularly talked about the way in which College Cambria has grown and the role that the staff and the employees can contribute and have contributed to that growth but also how um, there is a common culture throughout what is now a very large organisation. Um, there was a really positive uh, presentation by Abigail Hirschman, who is the strategic lead for ACAS on mental health, and that's a big issue. And that was quite a lively uh, contribution because uh, she got people to think about the role of organisations and managers and employees generally in, in mental health. And there was a contribution from Airbus um, on their way of managing uh, the ageing workforce issues. So that, that was very interesting. And then finally, not sure whether this was 
um, can I say scintillating, um, but we had a presentation um, from um, somebody on the economic, uh, from Anna Leach, of the head of the economic intelligence of CBI. And she had been faced with a really challenging brief, which was to talk about the economic outlook. Uh, it's right up my street, that yeah, was. Yeah, well, it would have been. But, I mean, how can you talk about an economic outlook when you're talking with Brexit and nobody knows you Good know, point. Good where point. they're going? <laughs> so she presented a lot of data and statistics about the trends that we've got up to this moment in time. She hasn't got the crystal ball, though, unfortunately. I don't think anybody <laughs> does at this moment in time. So it's the first time that ACAS have had their conference in North Wales, certainly in recent times. Um, would you be hoping that they come to North Wales? Again? I would hope that they would come to North Wales again. Um, I think that there needs to be some clarity uh, as to who is the audience and what the focus is going to be. But for a first conference, uh, or certainly for some time, there was a lot of interesting points that people could take away from it, and I would certainly go to another one. You're listening to the business community on Callan FM. I'm Tracy Jones, and my partner in crime is... Heather Noble. So Heather chose three apps for us to look at this week and uh, we both had a look at them. And uh, were they recommended on on the Apple store? Yeah, you know, they those articles, don't recommend they? Yeah. So it's the best three apps for um, freelancers. freelancers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the first one. Which du- one did you look at Duet first? Duet Display. And it's a way to expand your screen with an iPad or iPhone. And I love the idea because I like having two screens. I like having three screens if I can get them. The only problem is my iPhone's one of those little ones. It's a bit too small to really extend my screen. And I don't have an iPad anymore, so I sort of lost the the point of it. Um, but it means that you can turn your iPad or your iPhone into a touchscreen monitor and you can use the Apple Pen if you want to draw. And I had a look at the reviews. They're mostly good. Um, but it's normally £15. So if it's the, the choice between um, buying the app and you've got a nice big iPad or buying a new monitor, then it, it's the cheaper option. Um, they've got an offer on at the moment, if you're interested, for £9.99. Did you have a look at that one, Heather? I did. Um, and it reminded me of a time when I used to use my iPad to have my email on and my laptop to actually work on so that you could you know keep an eye on stuff but I actually I find it distracting I think I'm better having just one screen personally but I know that a lot of people respond really well in fact I think my husband he might have three screens on his desk so he's got email on one he's got the data that he's working on the code that he's writing on another and he's got something else on the internet or something on another but I think yeah if you're the sort of person that multitasks I just have lots of windows open and just flip between them but um but I I can see that it's a good yeah it's a good one utilizing the kit that you've got yeah um it makes it mobile as well because the 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 traditional multi-screen setup is fairly static static, isn't it you've got these huge monitors so if you're going to do your work in a local coffee shop and you've got your iPad and your laptop, then you can still mm. achieve the multi-screen. Yeah. So that's something worth taking a look at called Duet Display. 
The second one, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago um, when we were talking about work for um, apps for um, productivity. It's called Invoice to Go, with the two being the number two. And it means that you can send invoices from your phone, you can turn quotes into invoices, you can track your expenses, you can take a picture of your receipts, you can schedule appointments, keep track of time spent on different jobs, you can even accept payments and you can use it to store and it syncs across lots of different devices. Now, it comes at a fee, and it's essentially, um, it's an accounts app for freelancers, but it's got a very strong app because it does have a website as well, so you can log into the back end of Mm. all your data on the website. Um, But not all of the accounting software have good apps. It comes at a fee of £9.99 a month for the standard, $19.99 a month for the advanced version and £33.99 a month for unlimited. So I would imagine that most freelancers, and we're talking apps here for freelancers, would be okay with the standard version, which is £9.99, and that's for one user. And doesn't it limit also the number of transactions? I think it it limits the number of bank um, entries that you can reconcile and the number of invoices that you can raise. So so it does. Yeah, but to be fair, with with most freelancers, the, the standard it's, package, it's 200 invoices and 200 yeah, quotes yeah, a yeah, month. So yeah. it, it seems okay. But yeah. anyway, um, take a look at that. I, I've got my own preference for account software. Do you use software, Heather? Or well, I've, just, I've actually just been reviewing what I use because of the Making Tax Digital um, legislation that's coming in. So I've ha- been having a look at Invoice to Go, and I've also been having a look at Zero, yeah. um, and and weighing up the pros and cons for each of them. So, um, so I've used Zero, and I, it, that's one of the bits of software that I, I like the online version, but the app never quite was as it? good as right. the, as the software. So if um, the reviews of Invoice to Go are anything to go by. The app is, is is up there with the and main actually software. yeah that that's the beauty because you've always got your phone with you and you can you can photograph receipts and they'll get stored I don't know what you're like with receipts and goodness knows what but you know actually deal with them rather than just end up with a pile of stuff so I'm wait yeah I'm I'm weighing the two of them up I'm not quite perhaps I'll report back that would be on, interesting um, on which one and, I choose and tell me as well if the zero uh, app has improved because i thought it was quite limited when i looked at it yeah i've looked i've looked at it um on the web but I, I haven't really studied the app yet but um yeah yeah and then the, the third app for freelancers was uh, free work mm. uh, for timesheet and invoicing there are loads of these different services available and I, i've never used free work I've, I've always quite happily used different software um, I've had no problem with those and it often depends on who I'm doing the freelancing work for and they ask you to use a particular software however I struggled with this one I went to take a look at their website and I just was not user-friendly at all maybe it was having a bad day uh. maybe my internet connection was having a bad day I'm not sure but the free work website itself there is far more to free work than just this app the app seems to be a small part of what they do but the the website kept freezing so I didn't have a lot of luck with that one isn't that funny because I thought that the I, I went online and I thought the website was quite user-friendly isn't that isn't that strange? Yeah. Um, and, and what I thought was very interesting f- from a, a business point of view is, yes, it's it's aimed at helping freelancers to find work. It's putting people who want freelancers in touch with freelancers. Yeah, I thought that was a really good feature. And that's great because if you as a company need somebody and it's not one of those, you know, I need somebody to 
you know, type up some stuff for me and how much, you know, where you sort of pitch for work. It's much more sophisticated than that. And if you are a freelancer, if you're a business who's looking for some freelance work, it puts it puts the two of you in contact. So I thought that was quite good. Um, yeah. Interesting. What? Yeah. So we'll be um, putting this the details of this on our blog. And of course, you can always listen to this show again on the podcast on our website and also on iTunes and other podcasty type stuff that I don't really have. The you almost sound like know. you know what you're talking about there. <laughs> but you can find our podcast on all good podcasting apps. Yes. Um, and so we'll, we'll put the details of this on there. But if you've got any experience of any of these apps that you'd like to share with us or if you've got any other apps that you'd suggest for freelancers, then please leave a comment and we'd, we'd read it with interest and even mention it on the show uh, next week. This is the business community on Calon FM and our business leader this week. Um, the choice was um, inspired by an article that we saw in The Guardian from last week by a gentleman called Daniel Cohen. And it's about Martin Lewis. And it says how Martin Lewis became the most trusted man in Britain. Now, I know Martin Lewis and know his website, moneysavingexpert.com, yet I hadn't considered he was the most trusted man in Britain. And so I thought, right, we can discuss this. We can do the research. And I have to be honest, all of the research that I've done does lead me to the conclusion that he is indeed the most trusted man in Britain. What do you think of that? Well, he's, yeah, he certainly um, has managed to position himself in that way. And, and it does seem that when you look at his website and you know he appears on the TV, that people take... I think he has the power to make or break... Um, another business based on his his yeah. review or That's his recommendation power, that is quite powerful yes yeah so but you you can't take that lightly you have to yeah. treat that with respect don't you really? and I've sort of seen on his profile that he doesn't take it lightly actually so his profile picture on social media he's got I don't do ads written on his forehead and he's at pains to point out that neither he nor the website that he founded and, and subsequently sold but is still involved in Money Saving Expert doesn't do ads. They might talk about people and then earn money from it, but they write the articles and then approach the companies to see if they want to pay them uh, an affiliate fee in the same way as our website. that we, we don't base what we talk on about on what we can get from somebody clicking an affiliate link. But if we Maybe that's why we're skin. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> we're doing it wrong. But if we've talked about a book and then we can go and get an affiliate link attached to it, then it seems like a sensible approach. Um, so there is a reason why he does that, though, because there was some controversy yeah. about his appearance on this morning and yeah, whether so he was endorsing. Yeah, there was the only thing that I found really controversy about him was that he was on um, it was on an ITV program. Was it this morning? I think it's this morning. And he mentioned something which was supposed to take you through their website. It actually took you on a link to his web website, and it was it was judged that um, he was endorsing his business. Um, which but no action was taken. No, no action was taken. No. It wasn't that serious. No. Uh, but since then, he's been whiter than white. Yeah, so moneysavingexpert.com. It was his website. He founded in 2003. And it's got 16 million visitors a month. And it's in the top um, 100 popular, most popular sites in the UK. And um, the Financial Times have called him the most successful journalist in the world ever. And that, that's a big, bold claim, wow. isn't it? That is... But um, this was after he sold that site 
to um, price comparison for Money Supermarket um, for £87 million. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes him the most successful journalist in the world ever. But I think there's more to him than just that. You don't, you can't just set up a website, spout on it, and then net £87 million from it. He's clearly got some good business skills about him. And uh, he was apparently, um, in 2013, the seventh most Googled celebrity in the UK. Really? Yeah. Crikey. And um, and it's quite an interesting chat, but there seems to be no controversy linked to him. The only thing that I could find vaguely controversial was the thing that we mentioned with Deborah Meaden uh, a few weeks ago where um, he was linked with the the Bitcoin scam so yeah. a, an organization was was trying to um to get people to sign up to this Bitcoin scheme and used um, both Martin Lewis's face and um, Deborah Meaden and so pinned to the top of his um, Twitter account is the fact that, you know, this is a scam. It says, if I don't do adverts, if you ever see one with my face or name on it, it is without my permission and usually a scam. So what's he worth then, Heather? His national rank in the Times Sunday Times Rich List in 2018 was 912 and he was worth £125 million. That's not to be sniffed at, is it? No, not at all. A 46-year-old man from Manchester. He, um, it was actually GMTV with Lorraine that he was on. So, um, yeah, so a correction there. But um, what what is interesting about him is that he tends to get these campaigns. You know, he gets his bee in his bonnet about something and he will take um, people to task. Uh, And that's included things like energy bills, uh, bank charges, student finance, mental health and debt uh, so he you know he does seem to be genuinely interested in saving people money I think that's that's um, that shines through but th- what I wanted to do is I wanted to have a look and see from a business point of view what does he do what can he do for us and I was having a trawl around on the website and it's it's hidden away a little bit but there are some good snippets of information for businesses but it it's you find it within the forums so there is a small business and charities money saving forum and in that um, there's a board and it talks about uh, for example uh, the best ways to buy a pickup truck um, there's stuff about making tax digital there's about um, hosting website hosting your company's gone into administration um help for startups subcontractors vat etc 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 so there's loads of threads uh, and it's where people post questions so there'll be guidance um and i think that that although it is quite well hidden it looks to me like it is a really valuable forum for those of us who are in business and just want a little bit of guidance uh and he's got a team. When you look at the team at Money Saving Expert, they are all journalists of all different types with financial specialisms. They're not just a bunch of people who write stuff. You know, they, when you look at their credentials, they're people in the know. Uh, and I think that that probably um, is the reason why it's such a, su- such a successful website. 
also of interest is the MSE Charity. So it's founded by a money-saving expert and it gives grants in the UK to not-for-profit organisations that deliver activities which will make a lasting impact on how people think, behave and manage their money. And it's worth knowing that the next grant round is currently open. So you can go to the website and you can um, take their eligibility quiz, um, prepare a project proposal and complete an application form. And the applications are open for this particular round. I think he does them four times a year. They're open until the 1st of March, uh, unless they receive 40 applications, at which point they close the the round. So if you go to msecharity.com, and you can find out if you're eligible there. But just so you know, they don't fund more than £7,500. It's not for capital costs, so you can't buy equipment with it. It's for actual project costs. Your organisation can't have a turnover of greater than £500,000. And it's got to be for an organisation in the UK, but it unfortunately can't be schools or individuals. But if you're part of a not-for-profit organisation that is looking to make an impact on how people think, behave and manage their money, then it's worth taking a look. Even if you're not eligible this time, then there are another three um, during the year that you can potentially apply for. Mm. So that's msecharity.com. Yeah, um, th- there's there's so much on the website. He And he, he is... A, a, takes great pains to talk about uh, to be transparent so he talks about there's a lot of information about how the website makes money so he goes into the detail of you know it's free to use how do they fund themselves um are they you know, they're not endorsing um and i think that that in itself demonstrates that he he tries completely to be totally transparent and whiter than white He's an interesting character. I have no idea what his leadership style is. Uh, he's energetic, enthusiastic and, ma- and animated. And he clearly knows his stuff. I think he's passionate about what he does. Um, yeah, an interesting one. An interesting one. I've signed up for his newsletter from the website. So I'll, I'll keep an eye on what's coming in there. To be honest, when I looked at the website, it was almost information overload because there is so much there. So it might be one of those things where it drips through on the email and then you click through and you, you find the thing that takes your interest. Mm. But that's Martin Lewis, our business leader. Is he even a guru, maybe? Is he a money guru? He's probably a money guru, yeah. Yeah. Martin Lewis. So that's all we've got time for on the business community this week. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. 